Welcome to the DL Gaming Podcast. I'm Bobby. I'm Nick. I'm Emilio, and I'm filling. Or I guess Bobby's filling in for Sniper. He's going to take the day off again. That that lazy motherfucker. He hasn't been around, man. Yeah. Well, <laughs> he's got some big news, but maybe he'll share share that with us later. Um, but until then, he's a lazy motherfucker. <laughs> until then, <that's laughs> until he can defend himself, he's a piece of shit. <laughs> So this week we're going to be talking about Cyberpunk 2077, Phantom Liberty, Hell Let Loose, and The Exit 8. We've got quite quite the variety of games we're going to be talking about today. But first of all, how's everybody's week been going? Pretty good so far. Uh, went on a date night with uh, Leslie, with the first in like literally, I think, like nine, ten months. Um, and that was really nice. We got to see Harry Potter with an orchestra. And so mm. you watch the movie and then it has a live orchestra. And then we left halfway through because there was a 20 minute intermission and the first one's three and a half hours long or something like that. So we decided to go to a bar, um, get a sandwich and some other stuff and then um, some drinks. And uh, yeah, it was a good time. It was a really good time. There was like a comedic piano player that was singing a bunch of songs, but he was like swapping out the lyrics for like dick jokes and stuff. So it was a pretty mm. good time. Nice. Now, John Williams composed the first Harry Potter, maybe the second. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not familiar with the Harry Potter movies too much, but uh, I think he composed some of the music for those. Do you know which movie you saw? Uh, yeah, the first one, the Sorcerer's Stone. Oh, so the very first one. All right. I yeah, the very that first was one. John Williams. Nice. Awesome, man. Better than uh, yes, better than my weekend. Um, I went to the opera because <laughs> I'm, I'm super <laughs> fancy. Um, but right before I went to the opera, <laughs> I realized that my bathroom sink was backing up. So I've been dealing with that all weekend. Plumber's coming out tomorrow. Uh, water problems suck. Like in your house, like it's, it's the worst. I think I'd rather have my place just catch on fire. Like honestly, I think that'd be less yeah. difficult <laughs> than dealing with like burst pipes and shit. <laughs> if only you had like that, that Flint, Michigan water that you can just light on fire and you oh, just, yeah. it won't back over. You just light it on fire and leave. <laughs> We had a uh, we we had a uh, we had the same thing happen. The pipe burst, but we got off really easy. Um, so it's funny because it's you know depending on the insurance company and where the leak the pipe bursts. Um, our neighbors, it happened to them, and they got a new kitchen, a whole new kitchen, an eighty thousand dollars kitchen. Our out of the of the insurance because their kitchen was ruined. Ours happened in the hallway. We got. A new light. <laughs> <laughs> we got a new light. Wow. <laughs> yep. If it. I ever have a leak in my house, I'm just going to put my PC under it. I'm like, oh, no. I guess yeah, no, no. <laughs> what? Sir, what do you mean your computer was in the bathroom? <laughs> oh, man. I, you know, I just use it there. It's where, it's where my place of work is. I have, I have bad diarrhea. All right. Oh, my God. All right. Well, let's move on to On the Radar. So games that have come to our attention recently. Uh, the first one I'm going to be talking about today is Deep Rock Galactic Survivor. We've talked about this before. It is the new Deep Rock Galactic game where it is a vampire survivors like, but instead of just killing things, you also have to mine minerals. And the reason that I put this back up here is because they've got some news. Early access is starting on February 14th, Valentine's Day. You will be able to buy and play this game in early access. Mm. Uh, they do not have a price for it yet. Um, I, 
can't imagine it being that expensive, but I don't think it'll be that cheap either. Anybody I'm guessing twenty four ninety nine. Ooh, should we play our game? Yeah, let's yeah. do it. Yeah. All right, Nick, okay. you're saying twenty four ninety nine. Twenty four ninety nine. I think that's a little high. I, I think it's a little high. I'm gonna go with fourteen ninety nine. Fourteen. All right, I'm going nineteen ninety nine. I'm going nineteen ninety nine right in the middle. Okay, so we'll see who's right on Valentine's Day. Uh, from from uh, Place Obscura, fucking Christian says two dollars. He, he, let's put him down for $2. It's $2. $2 for yeah. Sniper, put him down. <laughs> okay. Sniper, two bucks. Location right. obscure. That's what I was going to say. So uh, the devs have been recent, releasing a lot of information. They've been posting a lot on the um, Steam page, a lot of details about the game, how the weapons and upgrades are going to work, the enemies and, and all that. Plus, I did play like when they released a, uh, an early beta for people to test. I did play that. And it, it was fun. Like, this is probably day one purchase for me, no question. It's asked. I mean, if Beautiful. if they were, I'm kind of surprised they're not doing any sort of like, you know, pre-purchase, get a skin or something like that, which we see all the time. Or maybe that's just like a triple A game thing. But I, I'm i kind of surprised they aren't doing pre-orders on this. Bobby, I want to resend my, resend my I'm going to go $9.99. $9.99. Yeah, you know what me. it is? You know what it is? I think, and, and Sniper might actually win this because uh, these games are famously cheap. Very, very yeah, cheap. they are. They now that um, you say that, yeah, they are. But you know, it's got the uh, it's got the name going with it, and it has so okay. Yeah, so Soulstone Survivors was nine ninety nine. So maybe. yeah, and that that's a like a that's a fancy one. Uh, Nick, what is your uh, experience with with um, Vampire Survivals? I've played one on my phone for all of like an hour and I'm not the biggest fan of them to be honest. Yeah. Well, how do you know the one on your phone was good, dude? Well, I, just, I just, phone. I just don't like the concept of the game. I probably could play one and be like, Hey, let's try it out. We'll see. I don't know if any of them, I want, I don't want to play one. That's not an IP that I don't know as bad as it sounds. Well, so dude, uh, it's like, I think it's money left on the table right now that somebody hasn't done a Warhammer 40 K one. Like it's, I mean, it's, it's only a matter of time one. and it makes <laughs> yeah, it's only a matter of time. Warhammer likes to shell out every now and then. And I think anytime they can make money, I think this will probably be the one. But the other thing is that they've been really closely guarding their IP to their chest lately, which is really odd. Usually they just hand it out to fucking anybody. Um, what happened? The new CEO or what? You know, uh, it's just like they've had so many new investments ever since like the COVID spike for like almost doubling. Okay. Or, I think it was tripling their they're being, value. They're being careful with their. Yeah. And so, gotcha. like, from my understanding, from what I've talked, like, I talked to the manager of one of the stores, essentially, uh, they are looking to halt all major game development until the until Space Marine 2 releases. Mm, and get Just to okay. see how that lands and how much they get return on investment before they start putting money into, like, other serious games. It's so funny, dude. Now that they have Buku bucks, now they're being careful. Before yep. they were just like, whatever hits the thinking, wall. Yeah, what, yeah, throwing, but whatever, whatever works, man. It, it, as long as they worked out, and that's good. I applaud their strategy for sure. Um, I also applaud the strategy of this Topica. Um, it's a city builder that uh, has no management, has no difficulty, and you're just trying to make beautiful cityscapes. Um, they're they all seem to be cyberpunky, uh, 
um, in in nature. So you got your billboards uh, that dominate the skyline, and yeah, it's I mean, very I can't, Blade Runner. Yeah, very Blade Runner, very uh, Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven. Um, I can't imagine this is going to be very expensive, but um, I was I was very curious what somebody like Christian. But him being a lazy ass, um, will I have to wait till next week to see what he thinks about zero difficulty city builders? Because uh, if you notice, guys, like lately he's been trending towards lighter and lighter city builders, the ones that are just kind of like drag, drag and drop, and like. Mm. That happens. I mean, I, I've always said that he's been a casual city builder gamer. You know, I don't know. It's just the way I think of it. Well, it, it is because. If he gets into a Victoria or something like that, he loses his goddamn mind. <laughs> he, he can't. He can't. Dude. He can't control himself. Honestly, yeah, he, de- he deletes all those games. So he would be hardcore if time was infinite. Yeah, I'll be right back. That's this with a Y. Dystopica. Topica. Actually, I won't be right back. I forget it's my turn. Um. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll be talking about Death Stranding 2 on the beach. So I want to bring this up. Um, the PlayStation uh, like keynote kind of happened this week or this last week, if you're listening on Tuesday. Um, there's a lot of games shown, um, a lot of stuff that was just shown as far as like tech demos as well. Um, Silent Hill 2 was shown, which is like a, a really big upgrade for the game as far as like, you know, the 1990s version or the early 2000s version. Um. So yeah, Death Stranding 2 on the beach. Um, not surprising that there's a Death Stranding 2. I guess Death Stranding 1 did so good, and Sony just wants more exclusives. Um, Death Stranding 2, they didn't show that much gameplay. Uh, the gameplay they did show was more of the and like the base concept of the first game, you know, travel with stuff, balance, be safe, and that's it. Uh, there was a couple of new features that they did show um, very, very, very quickly, like within one second of of things and so people that were on the on, on the reddit were like breaking down things in the in the trailer and getting super specific um what is interesting is this game has always been an allegory for the internet and so when you play the game if you play with online on and you play with assistance on anything that somebody has set up in the world like if they build a road or they build a bridge or they build like a super highway like you can use that and it helps you out through your playthrough right but apparently, because people were doing so well and so good the first time, they're bringing, they're bringing random weather effects into the game that can destroy those elements. And so they can be fixed and things like that. So it's going to be pretty interesting to see how that develops. Um, it's a direct sequel to the first game. Some people uh, speculated that it would be a new character in the same universe. But nope, uh, Hideo Kojima and Norman Reedus are best friends, apparently. Um, the cast is pretty... Nuts again. We have Troy Baker as Higgs Monahan, uh, who was like a really interesting looking character. Leah Sadu, uh, who plays uh, essentially Sam Porter's, uh, I wouldn't say girlfriend, but I would say partner in crime. Uh, Ellie Fanning for a to be determined character. They showed her model in the in the game, and they showed her like snooping on a conversation. Uh, and then George Miller and Shioli uh, Katsuna, who I don't know who that is, to be honest. Um, it's releasing in 2025. Uh, I'm I'm gonna pick it up. I played the first one. I played the first one for a long time. I got distracted by another game. I watched the rest of the game uh, online. But other than that, uh, I'm looking forward to see Death Stranding 2. It, I assume I think it's gonna be a good time. 
Now, is that uh, 2025 P- PC release or PS5? It's PS5 release. So that's a good question. So they did say that they're most likely going to be releasing the game on PC up to a year later. Um, okay. They're not. They're going to do. They're going to give the PlayStation exclusive thing that they've been doing lately, where it's like a limited exclusive, but it won't be going to Xbox. What's really weird is that uh, he has a game coming out for Xbox that's only an Xbox exclusive, and now he has a game coming out for PlayStation that's a PlayStation exclusive. Hmm. So I don't. I mean, that's interesting. I mean, good for him, right? More more Hideo Kojima games, the more your brain gets exploded by abstract ideas, I guess. Or if you how, don't like the guy. How yeah. Control, I mean, I, it seems like it's a, a, a executive credit, really. I mean, is he going to be hands-on with this? He's, he's hands-on with all of his projects. He won't go through a project and not be hands-on with it. Like, he's over here. Like So, anything is on Instagram, he's been posting a lot of shit with him with the celebrities, you know, scanning their faces in the room, directing them how to move, directing them what to say. Sorry, sorry. That's for OD. Uh, I'm talking about Death Stranding 2. Oh, that's on Death Stranding. No, I'm talking about oh, Death Stranding okay. 2 as well. Like, he's always posting pictures with Norman Reedus or, like, all these other people, and he's like, hey... If there is a video, then he'll post like him directing them. He's like very, very hands on. He does not trust other people to, after after Metal Gear Solid Five. He does not trust a lot of people to work on games for him after that game got cut. You know, twenty percent of the way not being done. It was like an eighty percent of the way done game. So, um, yeah, I'm super Nick, excited for Destiny. Would you, would you put him on there? Like, is he a perfectionist or is he more the eccentric artist? I think he's more the eccentric eccentric artist. Um, I think he's like, and this is going to be a terrible, uh, a terrible comparison, but I think it's the best one I can make. I think he's a Quentin Tarantino of the video game world. Yeah. Like he never really makes like run of the mill games or he doesn't try to at least. And people are like, well, I can't, you know, it's when everyone sees a Quentin Tarantino film, they're like, I can't wait till the next one comes out. Or I love Quentin Tarantino films. It's the same thing with Hideo Kojima fans, right? Like, I don't know what it's going to be, but it's going to be pretty interesting, most likely. So I can't wait till it comes out. Like it's kind yeah. of the same feeling. Yeah, but yeah. And the only difference I would say is like uh, Tarantino's kind of when he goes into Hollywood, they kind of give him carte blanche. You can he can break all the rules. He gets whatever. Yeah, he he, wants. he can say whatever he wants. He's yeah. not really. He's not very much. Well, he he's not very much like worried about cancel culture. He's not worried about. Like all yeah. this other stuff, the only he like he stood up to Disney, which is like a big deal when he released um, the Hateful Eight. Like that movie was supposed to premiere, but Disney had like a film that was coming. I think it was Frozen Two, and they were like Disney was like, no, we're not showing we're not showing Frozen Two in the same theaters as Hateful Eight. So they kick, they ended up kicking him out of like seventy percent of the movie theaters in the United States that were showing Frozen Two, and it was uh, it's a pretty crazy story actually if you look wow. it up. Uh, but Ko- Kojima could not be controlled. Because he went and made his own studio, so now he can really do whatever he wants, right? Exactly. As soon as he as he was controlled, he's like, "I'm out." He's like, "You can." And then he ended up making a trailer for a new game within a year that mocked his previous uh, his previous uh, overarching company, yeah, yeah, Kon- yeah, Konami. But yeah, yeah, but, hmm. yeah. That's right. that's about it on Death Stranding too. I'll be right back. Yeah. All right. That's about it on On the Radar. So let's move into highlights. These are the games that we have been playing. I'll kick it off with The Exit 8. So, Emilio, this is a game that you had bought for me. Um, Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. A while ago. And I haven't got around to playing it. 
It is a short game, so I don't know why I put it off so long. And looking at this game, you wouldn't think much of it. So the description on the Steam page reads, you are trapped in an endless underground passageway. Observe your surroundings carefully to reach the exit eight. So all you're doing in this game is walking around this same loop. It's this one subway hallway that kind of wraps around in a circle, and you're walking around it over and over again, trying to escape. And the way that you escape is when you walk down the hallway and it loops around and you walk through it again, you have to look and see if anything about that hallway is different. Could be something very subtle. Uh, By the way, this hallway looks like just a very generic subway hallway with a man that just continually walks down it and then stops to look at his cell phone. But sometimes the man will be a little little bit bigger than he was last time, or sometimes the posters on the wall will be moving just a, a little bit. Um, and if you see anything like that, you stop, you turn around and you walk the other way and you go backwards through it. And then you keep doing that until you see something different about the hallway. It's a very simple concept. Oh, so it's A or B. And B, Mm -hmm. you go B only when you see an anomaly. Yeah. And the more you continue, like at first you walk down the hallway and it's like, okay, this guy's like 10 feet tall now. Obviously something's up. So you turn around. Um, I went down a hallway and there's three doors and then... and then there's two air vents. And one time there was just like one air vent. So I was like, okay, yeah, that's off. So I turned around. And one time um, when I kept going the wrong way, because it's a psychological horror game too. And this is what's funny. This game really reminded me, it's been a long time, but it really reminded me of what it's like. What? (laughs) Oh, sorry. I was going to say Stanley Parable, but no. Oh, no, no. It really reminded me of what it's like to be high. Because back when I... (laughs) A long time ago, when I would smoke, I'd get super paranoid, man, like real yeah. paranoid. And this feels like just totally uncomfortable paranoia. And it, it perf- dude, why do you think I bought it for you and not me, dude? <laughs> I, I watched a little bit of it, and I'm like, no, yeah. nope. It's very subtle. And the first thing that really like threw me off, and I was like, nope, <laughs> I don't know about that. It was. <laughs> it wasn't even like you... I'm going to say it and it's going to sound stupid, but when you play it in the game and it's like really quiet except for the din of the passageway and again, you just feel like you're just in this claustrophobic paranoia state. Um, I was walking down the hallway and one of the doors was cracked open ever so slightly and I was like, okay, that's strange. And I walked up to it and as I walked up to it, I just saw this person in the crack peeking out with this big old smile on their face and I was like, oh dude, that is creepy. I don't know if you guys saw that movie. I think it was just called Smile. There's this horror movie that came out about a year ago. It kind of got panned a little bit, even though it did well at the festivals. I thought it was really good, but it's just like these people get like possessed or something, and then they just have this big giant grin on them, and it's just super crazy, crazy uh, or creepy. I was combining crazy and creepy, and I came up with a new word. Um, crispy. Yeah. Crispy? Crispy. I like it. <laughs> crispy. But, I mean, when you well, get so I'm scared, sorry. you get crispy. I'm sorry. Crispy's yeah. taken, dude. <laughs> That's a good thing. Sometimes yeah. taking it back. But yeah, I don't know. This is a really good game. And the cool thing about it, about the Exit 8 is it's only four bucks. It's super cheap. And the game, if it's not super hard to figure out, I mean, you could probably beat it in like 30, 40 minutes. Um if That's you, not bad for four bucks, though. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you I mess up, I think it up, was even cheaper. I wouldn't spend four dollars on you, dude. Sorry. Uh, I think it was on. Sale. It was probably on sale. for thirty dollars yeah. and fifty cents. That's yeah. what the historic low is. But it it three dollars. 
it also has a little bit of replay value because even though I beat it and I was like, okay, that was cool. I technically finished the game. I was still curious, like, what happens if you keep going down the wrong way? Like, dude standing in the doorway was super creepy, but I'm sure it escalates. And there's some other crazy stuff, too. So, you know, I kind of wanted to see the multiple, not endings, but, like, failures, I, I suppose. So I'd, right. I'd should... recommend it. Uh, for the price, like, it's, even though it's so short, like, I think it's totally worth it. Are you gonna Are you gonna try doing the uh, the purposeful failures? I guess I guess you can say. Yeah, I might just like look them up online or something like that if I don't want to play through everything That's, again. The, it's uh, so nice, dude. YouTube's so nice for that because when yeah. I finished uh, Cyberpunk, I was just like, let me see what the other endings were. And uh, it was like eight, just, right? Yeah, there's a lot. Um, there's a I lot. got one of the better ones, but like I I could tell that like a huge question was being asked to me and I, I went because i didn't want to go what happened to me in the witcher fucking sucked man like i i got one of the worst endings and i was like that doesn't surprise me <laughs> it, it sucked so bad dude. it doesn't surprise me at all i didn't i and i'm like okay cd project red let me work around you this time and when like a big question was asked to me it happened once i was like right, let me go see what's going on and i found out like it was a, like it was almost like a spoiler free ending choosing uh that IGN did like like if this is the way you want to go blah 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 you know without telling you know without giving too much away they also directed you and i, I and i'm glad i went that way and um yeah and then you could go watch the other ones and the other ones if i could really sucked i went with like a really Dude, good some one. of them are depressing as shit yeah it's really bad <laughs> yeah wow. um you know what's funny is the exit eight. It reminds me of this uh, of this idea that, and this was like really explored in Midsummer that that a horror movie that was based off of like Swedish rituals and shit like that. I don't know if you guys have you guys seen it. Yeah, I've mm-hmm. seen it. Yeah, um, it's the idea that things can be scary in a brightly lit area or in an area yeah. that you can see everything. Right? Um, there's actually a, a short film that I'm going to be watching with Leslie probably tonight or tomorrow night. It's called. Um, the box or the other side of the box, depending on where you're at. It's on YouTube and it's 13 minutes. Apparently it's really fucking unnerving and it makes you not trust the people that you love. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, it's a, uh, it's interesting. So I might check it out, but it's the same thing where it's like, it's a plainly lit room or it's a well-lit room and whatever is scary in that is, is able to be seen at, like almost at all times. So, and it's not gory. It's not really crazy. It's just like a an anticipation thing. Oh, okay, a so, yeah. bit of a thriller. All right. Well, since since uh, Emilio's not here, uh, I guess I'll talk about Hell Let Loose. Um. So, uh, do you know anything about this game? This game launched in 2017, I think. Um, the, I, I recognize. Oh, 2021. Title. 2021. Yeah. Sorry. Have I played this game? No, I have not. No, I recognize so you, the title and like I, I think I briefly looked at it a bit, um, but no, I have not played it. So the game has a massive influx of players right now, and I'm one of the reasons. I mean, I'm one of those new players as well. It went on sale for more than fifty percent off. Um, I mean, uh, not more than it was twenty five ninety nine, and the normal price is sixty four ninety nine or forty four ninety nine. Uh, so a little bit below fifty um, percent off. 
it is a very, very interesting war game. Um, the other reason why there's a huge influx of players is that it just hit Game Pass and it just hit Xbox and all of it, it's cross-platform. Plat, cross and so all the lobbies are filled, all the all the player base is like all over the place as far as experience, like lobbies are changing or servers are changing their rules for a new player. It's like, hey, nobody below the level of 20 can be a squad leader and things like that. And a lot of people, when this first came out, they were calling it squad, but in World War II, um, for those who don't know what Hell at Loose is, it's a World War II uh, shooter, a massive, uh, it's almost like a battlefield. I think it's 50 versus 50 or 100 versus 100. No, it's 50 versus 50 because the max is a max in the lobby is 100. Um, you have all your favorite uh, World War II factions in Europe. You have Soviet Union, Great Britain, United States, Germany, Australian, I mean, Australian, um, African German Corps, and that's it. Um, the game is very detailed in a lot of places and the graphics can be turned up very, very high. Um, even if you don't have your graphics turned up very high, it's this game is interesting because it's meant to be played slowly, as in, like, you're not supposed to just sprint through the front lines like in Call of Duty and shoot everybody and knife them and their mom and their dog. Um, it's very much like you're supposed to kind of stop, shoot, wait for tank help, wait for an airstrike, wait for artillery, and then advance and things like that. Which, one thing that this game definitely gets right is the effects of artillery. Um, so every commander, uh, which is usually like someone who's like level 50 or above, um, every commander can call in not really like kill streaks. They are depending on how good your team does. And there's like different scores for playing for for people playing offense and defense. And essentially you get a lot more points to play the objective than you do um, just randomly killing people. Commanders can call in all kinds of stuff from like bombing runs to, spy planes and things like that there's no mini map so like it's not like call of duty where you can call a uav and then boom you get a mini map you can see everything you're always you're constantly opening up your map which i will say is kind of interesting um but the way it works is that there's this thing that almost i think all of the factions have and it's called creeping artillery or some people call it marching artillery and it is one of the most in impactful things I've ever played in a multiplayer war game. So me and my friend are playing the game. It's the first time we're playing it. We're like 20 minutes into our first game. And uh, we just see this marker on the map and we're like, what is that? And then we notice all of our allies just sprint sideways. They're no longer advancing forward. They're just sprinting all the way to the side. We're like, what? Like, what is it? And we just see like a hundred meters in front of us, like eight explosions like happen simultaneously and then another eight, like 20 more feet in front of the, I mean, like in, in front of us. And then it keeps getting closer and closer and closer to us. And what ends up happening is the closer it gets, the slower you run and the slower you can react. And so if you get caught uh, w like within the range of it, you're, you're fucked. Like you're, you're gonna die. Um, it's like sh shell shock or trying to say exa exactly. And when you get shot at, if you get shot at like rapidly, um, your character moves slower and it'll start to shake super bad. It's it's your basic suppressing suppression, yeah, suppression mechanic, but it's pretty severe. Like it's very much like in squad where like if you're being shot at by a machine gun, you're not going to be shooting back very accurately at all. Yeah, um, and that is the, pretty. I mean, 
we're not all heroes, man. We're not no. all fucking crazy fucking buck wild dudes. Like the majority of us would shit our pants in these situations. So I feel like, exactly. Uh, yeah. I like it when it's closer to the reality, even though I can't play these games because I suck. Um, hey, so what's Nick, funny is so- that even if you suck, you can play this game, dude. I'm telling you right now, there's no, there's no like, like I, like I was telling Bobby, there's no people that are like doing 360 no scopes and knifing people and all that kind of stuff. It's very much like a slow, methodical game. Um, uh, what I will say of uh, Day of Defeat, Bobby, but obviously one mm-hmm. for the modern day. Yeah, I don't know. This looks more like a realistic milsim. Well, yeah, it's like it's squad. close to a milsim. It's close to milsim. Well, I don't know if you guys remember. Well, this is before you, uh, Nick, I believe. Uh, we have a listener named Control Pairs, and he has a YouTube channel that does pretty well. And he has had been working with these guys from the very beginning, before they went to 1.0, before they were, I think, before early access, he was getting access to it and playing it and helped through the development. And now he posts a lot of videos. Um, so I would I would check out his YouTube channel, uh, Nick, because we have a lifeline straight to that guy. Uh, can we get another? Hey, can we get his name one more time for the listeners? Yeah, Just yeah, yeah. It's it. uh, Controlled Pairs. Yeah, shout out to Controlled Pairs. He's in the Discord. Amelia, um, I think yeah. you need to turn your mic more towards you. Um, it is definitely a, a pretty good game. One thing that I'm not going to say I don't like, but one thing that you need to be prepared for in this game is that you will be killed in one shot nine out of ten times um, because the bullets you're being hit by are like the size of your finger. Um, and so they're massive. Um, the other thing is that most of the guns when you wield them are one-hit kills. If it's a submachine gun, it won't be a one-hit kill unless you hit someone in the head. Um, but most of the time, people have bolt actions and semi-automatics that will kill people in one hit. Um, so it's a very different kind of shooter compared to the game where like, you're playing Call of Duty. You can shoot someone 14 times and they don't die. Um, lastly, the, the last thing I'll talk about is um, there is a there is a big learning curve, understanding like where to go, how to play, what classes to pick. The, the classes are a very interesting situation. So ideally in this world, uh, you would want to be like a sniper kind of guy, right? But there's only two sniper squads. They're called recon squads, and every team is maxed to two. There's a spotter and a, sh- and a shooter, and that's it. There's no, other, there's no other classes that have scopes on their guns. Damn. Everybody else is just using iron sights. Um, every class... Out of a hundred people, or no, 50 out of a, people. out of fifty people, yeah. Okay. So there's, there's four people. Two of those four have sniper scopes. So That's it. one of one of the best. I mean, one of the big quests or something to do is to identify and take out those sniper teams right away. Exactly because they they're able to engage people at three times, four times the distance than normal. And like I said, most of the time it's one hit kill. Yeah. Um, that's not what's usually killing you. Usually it's artillery or bombing runs or like things that usually killed more people in war. Um, tanks, that's another thing. Um, but what, what I find very in, endearing about the game is that how do you make a game like this? Um, how do you retain, how do you retain players in a game like this? A squad squad has a hard time retaining players because there's no progression. You can level up, but you don't unlock new guns. You don't unlock new things. The way they do it in this game is that every class, and there's like, I think 12 classes um, from like sniper to support to anti-tank to machine gunner to grenadier, all these other things, right? 
every single class has one to four subclass or one to five subclasses. Oh, interesting. Um, and so like I usually play anti-tank. That's my favorite thing to play in like these large scale games. If I can't play anti-tank, I usually play machine gunner. Uh, in anti-tank for the Germans, the second thing you unlock is an anti-tank guy, but you don't have a rocket launcher. Instead you have like a wrench and something else and you can heal your tanks and you can damage opponents tanks. And then the third thing you unlock with the wrench. Yeah. (laughs) And then the, the third thing you unlock uh, for anti-tank and this is like just for the Germans because every every nation is different the third thing you unlock for the Germans is an anti-tank satchel charge and you can place it on the ground or you can place it on the tank itself or you can put down an anti-tank mine mm. and uh, they're some of the most effective motherfuckers on the battlefield but no one ever levels up that high in those classes like you have to keep playing that class over and over and over again and each game is like an hour long which is what you're doing right now. That's your goal. I'm at least trying to unlock the second one, dude. I'm like one game away from unlocking the second one just to see what it's like. Which is the satchel charge? Or no, sorry. that's the wrench guy. Okay, gotcha. Um, what's cool is like I played. The, I've played the Germans the most. That's the gate. That's the that's the side I keep getting put you're on whenever to, I join us. You're trying to get to Panzerfaust. I have the I have the Panzer the Panzer Shrek, which is like the big bazooka looking one with the little shield in front of it. Gotcha. The Panzerfaust is the stick one. Um, I don't think anybody has that, but what's, what's cool is that it's very historically accurate, right? Um, so for example, the Russians, they never had shoulder fired mount, shoulder fired rocket launchers or any kind of rocket launchers in general that would tank out tanks in world war two. They had these big anti-tank rifles. And so for like the Russian team that a guy yeah, that it would hold huge, huge gun, right? Like super like. I think it's like eight feet long or seven feet long. It's humongous. And a person would hold this? Hold that. Yeah. It would be a two-man crew, and they would run, and they would put it on the ground, and it shot a a, a 14 caliber bullet. The thing was, was massive. It effective? It was effective in the first, like, four years of the war. And Jeez, then, like, the last dude. the last three, it was ass. Um, anyways, so in Hell Let Loose, as that's all you get as a Russian guy, right? You don't get a rocket launcher and so you're given this big ass gun and if you've never used it you don't know what the fuck you're doing like you have to hit the the flat parts of the armor you can't it, you hear you hear ricochets and you hear headshots which is is very interesting um so it's designed the bullets designed to go inside and ricochet all inside and kill everybody inside exactly uh, and or or take out the engine or explode the ammo things like that um, but the thing is, so what I was trying to bring up is that you get that as a Russian guy, but instead of three subclass, I mean, two subclasses, they have three and the, four, the third subclass for anti-tank, it's called lend lease. And you get to you, you get to take a stolen Panzer Shrek from the Germans and you get to use it. And so it's yeah. every, every army has their different guns, obviously, and their different subclasses for some armies. Uh, some classes only have one one subclass, but for some others, it'll have four. You know, it's it's very dynamic. I'll say if you like war games or if you like World War II games, uh, pick this up on sale. Right now it's on sale uh, still, and it's going to be on sale, I believe, until the 15th of February. So check it out. Um, I want to talk a little bit about World War II. <laughs> Only, uh, I mean, yeah. This week I but, watched uh, two uh, World War II movies, and... Uh, I, okay, yes, it was fucking awful, bunch of, but man, 
We got computing out of it. We got a bunch of fucking great movies. A and lot. We got a bunch of great video games out of that war. I know it was not worth it. No, not at all. I mean, but you had an uncle that was in it, and he could he could have told you how bad it was. I asked him once in my life, and I never would ask someone again. He told me a horrific story. How about all of his friends died in one night, and he was one of three people to live in his platoon, dude. Jeez. It Who was, was Dio Angel. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he was in the war, and the only reason he lived is that he was short enough to hide behind a mausoleum in a cemetery, and that's it. That's the only reason he lived. Um, it's, it's terrible. My brother knows the story better than I do. Cause I was like nine when he told it, but it is a horrific story. Oh. Um, um, uh, Bobby, have you seen these two movies? I'm curious. Oh yeah. I have some, another question for you, but, um, for now, uh, all quiet on the Western front. I watched it's that. a world war one movie. Yeah. World war one. The you- new one, right? Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's an, yeah. It won a whole bunch of Oscars last yeah. year and um you don't see a lot of German filmmaking or it doesn't get a that's lot of attention exactly, these days. That was my thing about it. It's like you don't see World War 1 or 2 from the German perspective ever. Mm-hmm. So by the I way, would, that anyway, movie, you know yeah. that movie is an anti-war movie, right? I would imagine Most so, man. movies are. Yeah. So the the I mean not not a what's that movie with uh fuck oh whatever the guy who played braveheart that movie in vietnam is a war glorification movie it is not a anti-war movie anyways um all quiet on the western front the first one emilio is even sadder than the new one yeah um so the first one goes over these things called buddy battalions and it was this idea that you keep uh, you and your friends together they would keep you and your friends together from the uh, village or town you were in. Uh, and the thing is, because of the massive casualty rate in World War One and how whole battalions would hit, be hit by mustard gas, artillery strikes, and things like that, whole villages would literally lose all of their men between the ages of like 16 to like 40, dude, yeah. in like one day. And it was it was like the worst thing after they would Britain Britain is out. Outwardly said, we'll never do this again. Yeah, they basically, they basically quit because populations were in jeopardy. Like, yes, we all the boys are gone. Like, they're all gone. Like, mm-hmm. what do we do? Like, Jesus Christ. Anyway, what'd you think of that one, Bobby? I haven't seen it. Oh, yeah. No, I've um, heard it's very good, and it won a ton of awards at the uh, at the Oscars. So I'm sure it's very good. It's good. Yeah, I wouldn't say it's like world breaking i was curious what you're and then the other one uh i just i'm re-watching fury right now because mm. it just hit netflix again yeah man so good yeah, I it's fun it's, that's that's yeah. a fun one i mean for a yeah. war movie it uh it leans pretty heavy on the action side but um yeah i, I like fury i saw that in the theater <clears throat> that, that movie is widely known so the guy i was playing hell let loose with is an extreme world war ii historian when he when we met each other like at 10 years old in school mm. He was reading World War II like novels and shit. Like that's what he liked to do. And I'm like, all right, man, whatever. And he's like, that movie is widely known as like the tank historian's least favorite and most favorite movie. And the reason being is it's just a movie about tanks, but a bunch of the shit is really inaccurate. <laughs> so yeah. it yeah, it's it's interesting. Ooh, let's brighten this up. What do we got next? Um is it me? It's yeah, you. it's you, Cyberpunk. 
All right, Cyberpunk. I mean, I know it's week after week after week, guys. But um, no, I want to. I want to hear you. Do the game. I honestly do. Well, I, I, yeah, I beat Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven. Uh, but uh, now, you know, I was playing. I, I had a hard time leaving Night City, um, so I just kept playing my playthrough. And so I finally went to Phantom Liberty. Uh, I had flirted with it, but now I'm like fully invested. Um, it's definitely good. I'm not going to say anything bad about it. Uh, I'm what I'm talking about. I guess is like the way I went into it. Uh, you have a choice. You can have a new role and play a new character, or you can continue your old character. Um, I decided to keep my old character, and now I'm uh, after three or four hours. I'm kind of regretting it, just because like I'm really, really, really strong like super powerful. So now on I'm setting my difficulty to very difficult very hard. Very I'm on very hard right now. And it's still not like very hard. Um but I will say they're not just damage sponges. Like I'm still doing massive damage so I still feel powerful. But um they have worked on the AI on combat systems and stuff and they're they're definitely smarter now. They're not doing stupid shit. So um, I appreciate that in the Phantom Liberty for sure, and I, but I am thinking about just like re-rolling. I don't know. I'm I'm like fifty fifty on this. I'm not sure where I'm gonna go. Um, just because I'm just too goddamn strong, you know. And I would like to see. I have so many perk points. I have max perk points in three of the five uh, perks that you can get. So it's like, you know, I'm yeah, just way over the top. Um, anyway, more about the uh, the DLC. So, this is the last DLC they're going to do. Um, they're going to go straight to Cyberpunk 2, 2077 2, or whatever they're going to name it. Um, and and I kind of get it because of the of the story. It's kind of fatalistic. There's really no way around the story that they wrote. Like, like your character is going to die no matter what. So. Uh, it's kind of like the best way you can go. How can you alleviate that the most? <clears throat> and how many DLCs can you fit with this guy that has a ticking time bomb inside of his brain? So um, I think that's why they're going with that. Um, so there is like a hundred new guns, a ton of new vehicles, uh, all kinds of stuff. Um, Idris Alba is in it. He does not replace... Um, Keanu Reeves. Keanu Reeves. I was going to call him Johnny Silverhand. Um, he, Johnny is still in it. I was surprised how much, well, I, I'm in the first three hours, maybe it tapers off, but Keanu Reeves came back, you know, after, after all the bullshit and, you know, the poor reviews and all kinds of like backlash, you know, he came back to do this. And I, I think, I don't know if he was contractually obligated. Obligated or, to come back for yeah. DLC. But whatever. He did come back and, you know, he plays a good part. Like, he's he comes in with his quips and stuff. It's good. Idris Elba, man, like, I don't know. Kind of just steals the show, dude. The voice, the look. Uh, he's just fucking such a dude, man. He comes in and he starts fucking talking his shit. And I don't know. Uh, it, it's it's awesome. He's very very good in this role. Um, 
So in the perk systems, they uh, the perk tree they started putting more like feet based stuff. So I would say, you know, like now you can perform a finisher, or now you can air dash, or now you can put guns on your cars. Because uh, in Phantom Liberty, now there's car combat. Uh, so, Ooh, that's cool. Yeah. In in original Cyberpunk, you could lean out the window and shoot guns. But now we're talking about adding machine guns to your car. So that's a whole new thing. I haven't got into that yet, but that's in it. And the new district, which is in Night City, is called Dogtown. Dogtown is kind of like... Kind of like, I guess, Rome in Italy, you know? Uh, I'm I'm sorry, like the Vatican. It is its own country within another city. And it is uh, run by a general run amok. So I guess a general... um, Like a rogue general. Like a rogue general took over an area and... um, has his own country within another country, which is the United States, I think. Um, and so it's really cool. Um, it's intimidating. Even as a, like I said, I'm super powerful, I feel like. You know, you're walking around, everything is militarized. Everything. Just giant mechs. Just, like, if you were to act like an ass, I feel like I would die instantly. I don't know if that's true. I probably would. But, yeah, I, I don't feel like I can just... <laughs> I act. don't feel safe. <laughs> yeah, I don't feel like it's Grand Theft Auto and I can just steal any car in Dogtown. Like, I have to mind my P's and Q's. And that's a different feeling that I had than what I had in Night City where I was like, I run this shit, you know? So I thought that was a very cool thing. Um, but... You know, I'm only three or four hours in, so more on this. Yeah, you're going to get a whole year of cyberpunk, you fucks. Enjoy it. <laughs> I mean, I'm okay with that, dude. I want yeah. to hear people beat games. I don't want you to be like, I played Lollipop Licking Simulator for 30 minutes, <laughs> and then I played Gun Gun Guggen the 14th, and I hated it. Like, I don't like, I want you to beat a game and give me like an overall fucking storyline or like give me an actual review. Yes, so. sir. As your boss. <laughs> <I'm just kidding. laughs> All right. Well, that is it for highlights. And we do have quite a few listener questions. So let's get to those. First one coming from Zap. Tell us about the worst coworker you've ever had. Just the absolute worst piece of shit, useless person. Uh, I, I like this one because. Uh, so I worked at Circuit City. For those who don't know, it was like a proto Best Buy or a Best Buy. Uh, uh, competitor and um, so the you know I was a warehouse guy I would load stuff unload stuff stuff like stuff like that but it was electronics and there was just a guy in the warehouse that was an asshole he was just an asshole all the time to everybody uh, people kind of respected him because he was a hard worker but that was about it and then um, one day we called the it wasn't me. Some another guy on the crew called the radio station, and we're like, "This guy is just a fucking. He's an asshole. He's an asshole all the time. Like, um, can you guys prank him?" 
So the radio station pranked him. It's so good, dude. It's so good because he's the asshole at work and he got pranked by the radio station and it was 100% real. And they called him and they said that they were calling from C, uh, from uh, Circuit City, uh, like corporate, and that they were like searching for young talent from from within the company for like corporate status and that his name had come in and he, he got all built up. He was like, Oh yeah, 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 sir. I could, I could do this. I could do that. You know? And then they fucking like flipped the script in the middle of it and started, you know, like started going a little negative and he started getting on his ash holeless ways. And the guy just buried him. And he's like, listen, you're just a fucking, what do you call him? He called him a, a, a you're a warehouse rat. You're a warehouse rat that runs around and scurries and does our bidding. And, the, dude, he fucking lost it. It was awesome. It was awesome because, like, when does that ever happen? When does the asshole get his just due? But this time he did. Hmm. Wow. Yeah, man. I don't, I don't know. Working in education, fortunately, I don't work with a lot of people who are completely, like, on the deep end of being a jerk or they wouldn't last. Right. I would imagine. I mean, I don't know. It's pretty hard to fire people where I work, but they, they definitely wouldn't fit in and it'd be very like, nobody wants to work with that. And they, they stick out like a sore thumb. Like it's definitely, I, I feel like in other places, like that's a little more common. It's just not common there. So yeah, I've never really had like terrible coworkers. And honestly, like, I don't know when I go to work, I have a very different attitude. Like, I'm just like, I'm here to work. And if someone's like difficult or whatever, like I work around that person, like that's their problem, but it's not mine. And I've definitely come across people who are, are just always seem to be upset. And I always think like, I always kind of feel bad for them a little bit, even though they make everyone's else, everyone else's life miserable. I'm just like, they must be constantly miserable i mean they have to be around themselves all the time and they're always angry so i mean they always think like something's wrong and they're just like you know like always blaming other people and everything but i'm like what how do you live like that dude like how do you like like not just want to like i don't know i i just think it it must be a pretty miserable existence so i kind of feel bad for them yep uh, for me, it was uh, a guy that I worked with in the military in a top secret security area. And it was one of those people that kind of like uh, actively slipped through the cracks from getting in trouble all the time because of his rank. And uh, yeah, this guy was a huge piece of shit. Um, he was, I can't really say what rank he was. I can't really say all that kind of stuff because people can kind of denote, uh, you know, who it is. But this guy. Um, at one point wanted to become, uh, go to college for medical school. And so he did this little interview thing where he got to start, uh, shadowing doctors on the base. And he, uh, essentially was working at the doctors and eventually somebody that walked in to the doctor's office, um, was a female. And there's this idea, well, not idea, there's this, Thing in the United States that we have is that if you don't feel comfortable around someone in a medical office, you can request a new doctor. And there's no ifs, ands, or buts, especially, especially in the military, right? This guy is shadowing uh, her doctor, and he is directly in her chain of command. Uh, that means that this guy is her boss. And at one point, this woman has to get naked, and she's like, I don't want him in here. 
And this man is like, no, I should be here. And the doctor starts defending him. And it's a civilian doctor. And he's like, he can stay. It's it's purely professional. And she says, you don't understand. This is my choice. And he needs to leave. So that ends up happening. There's a big old scandal at work. And then some other stuff happens to him. And it turns out that even though he's super religious, uh, he beat his wife on Christmas Day. Um, and, uh, yeah, there's this guy has a huge well, I mean, track record. What, what did the wife say, though? Let's hear. Let's, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we haven't heard. We haven't heard her. Uh, when you have seven, <laughs> there's seven kids. And, uh, yeah, there's a domestic, domestic violence lawsuit on him. Uh, was maybe arrested. she called fucking napkins, paper towels, dude. And you that, never know, bro. Maybe right. she put red frosting on the green cake. You don't know. It was Christmas. Um, but the guy was a huge, huge, huge douchebag. And ultimately, this guy hated his life so much that he decided to take it out on me and my crew. And the thing is, I was a different branch than him, right? And so, whatever my branch see- says supersedes what he says. So, if I have to go on a boat somewhere, I'm not working for that guy anymore. Or if I have to go to an event on the base that's Navy only, I have to go there in whatever he says doesn't go. At this point in time, I just revolution- revolutionized the system that me and two other people just revolutionized the whole system that we were using in in the building. And it eliminated 95% of our work, like literally within a day, just 95% of our work gone because I automated everything. And this guy was like, oh, no, you have to stay nine hours, 10 hours. I was like, bro, we don't have work. And then he's like, well, why don't you do some military stuff? I'm like, I get out in a year. And he's like, well, aren't you going to stay? I'm like, fuck, no, leave me alone, dude. At one point, I have to talk to my command to tell this dude to shut the fuck up and let me go home. Because at this point, I've already put in my like my version of two weeks in the military, which means your last year. year in, well, yeah, your last yeah. your last year in, you have to out process. And when you work in a top secret security clearance area, there's a lot more things you have to do. There's a lot more shit you have to do than just being like, here's all my stuff, blah, 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 blah. Like, there's a lot of stuff. And essentially, it is a year. It's a year of out processing. You got to go to classes. You got to go to all these other things, these debriefs. And uh, yeah, they were like, you don't get to tell Borzan what to do anymore. Like, you don't get to tell uh, anybody in the Navy what to do anymore. After they found out how bad of a person he is, it wasn't the Air Force. And so the Air Force didn't have to put training wheels on him. The Navy was like, yeah, fuck you. You don't get to tell what the pe- what people in the Navy do anymore that are under you. It must and have so, been, yeah. yeah. Uh, that whole thing, that thing that you were at, I'm not going to talk about it, but like uh, it was weird because it was a mixing of the branches, right? So not only is it a mixing of the branches, it's a mixing of civilians and people in the military and people and militaries from other countries. So all these kinds yeah. of like, you can't tell me to do this. You can tell me to do this. Right, like, right, right. I don't respect your authority, blah, blah, blah. Like a lot of that sometimes. Yeah. And so very, very, very interesting. But yeah, that was the worst co-worker I've ever had in my life. Definitely. I was a spy. Nick was a spy. Right. I was not a spy. <laughs> All right. Uh, next question from Zap. You have to remove one of the following genres from existence forever. What do you choose? An FPS? City builder, just a spite. <laughs> just a spite. Wow. Sniper. <laughs> Go ahead. Keep reading the rest of the question. Uh, well, we just get some examples like FPS, roguelike, crafting, survival. City uh, builder? Wow. No, I'm going to say dating sim. Uh, you don't need you don't need a yeah. simulator for dating. Just go out there and date. 
I mean, you know, don't be creepy. Don't be an asshole. Like, I'll be honest. They're just not very good. I mean, I've never yeah, played a dating no. sim that was good. <laughs> have you played the KFC one? Um, I mean, that's the thing. They're like, they have funny ones. Like, oh, this one has birds or this one's KFC. Like, they're, they're just memes, dude. They're like a joke expanded into a game that just doesn't doesn't hold. Um, God, what was I thinking of, though? Uh, I was going to say mobile games, and there are some good mobile games, but I feel like 98% of them are just awful and are predatory. So I feel like, yeah, we could sacrifice the, the Marvel Snap and and whatever, like other, like the um, Fallout Shelter. Like we could sacrifice the good ones just to get rid of all of the, the evil ones out there. I would I would actually extremely agree with you because I feel like mobile games have hurt the uh, the normal I don't want to say normal but the PC and console gaming world oh, so gaming. much yeah dude <laughs> uh, have you ever seen how much money mobile games make compared to normal console games mm-hmm. or consoles it's like quintuple the amount it's insane um, to the dark side. I I, fuck, I hate mobile games. I play one just because it's a Warhammer game, and I don't spend money on it. And Is I'm it like, the card, the card. No, it's not the card one. It's the another one where it's like a strategy game where you can move your characters around and like you I get shot at and you take turns and stuff. Um, yeah. But um, I try not to play Magic on my phone anymore. Uh, I just got back into Magic. Luckily, I had like Me literally too, 150 dude. new cards. I mean, free cards from like the wild cards from all the stuff that I had before. And uh, yeah, I just I don't I don't really consider Magic Arena a mobile game only because it came out on PC for two years before it came out on mobile. Well, dude, um, it's a card game. Yeah, it's a card game. It, yeah, it's, it's been but, adapted to. Um, I so here's my new theory on Magic, and shoot me down if I'm wrong, dude. But so I have the like Lord of the Rings starter pack, eleven dollars, two decks that are built. To fight each other for eternity, right? Mm-hmm. They're, they're not really built for you to be playing other magic decks, right? Yeah. Right, exactly. They're each other, right? Mm-hmm. I'm thinking right now, uh, being a cheap guy, that every time a set comes out, I'm just gonna buy the fucking starter two packs and have those two packs for me to play with somebody else always because uh, this is this so. Um, I played those decks. I, I enjoy them. They're good. Um, and then uh, me and Chad were having so much fun, we went out and bought Commander decks, which were $100 each, right? Yeah. And then we came back, and I was like, oh, this is really fun. But I won't say, I can't say that I'm having more fun than these starter decks. I, I, I think what's interesting, what I mean? right, is we find Magic to be fun in different ways, and that's why there's so so many formats. Um, but what I will say is that this is, I don't know if this is fortunate or unfortunate. Hasbro is breaking up uh, the company and it seems like magic, the gathering and uh, Dungeons and Dragons will be its own company like entirely and won't have to do with Hasbro anymore. Um, that was like announced like two weeks ago. Um, and I see, I think we're going to see magic get back to what it was before instead of these money grabs. Don't get me wrong. Some of the money grabs are nice. Some of them aren't. Uh, some of them do extremely well. Some of them don't. The Doctor Who Commander decks didn't do nearly as well as Warhammer or um, or Lord of the Rings. 
and but but like the new one is um fallout it's like a, a murder mystery right so so he, well here's the thing right the new the new sets the new the new cards that are coming out are meant to be played in standard or in draft or in um all these other kinds of game modes but they're really standard is their number one money maker standard is means you get to play with the cards from the last right. two to two and a half years and that's it. You don't get to play with cards from 20 years ago, 25 years ago, 30 years ago. You only get to use the cards from the last two two to two and a half years. And that is their number one making thing because people always are always are always rotating cards and buying product because of those, right? And there are people like one of my friends, he's a really good friend of mine. Whenever a new set comes out, he buys three boxes. And that's it. Like he, he won't he'll buy the commander decks if it's like a, a secret layer thing or like a thing like the Lord of the Rings thing. He'll buy the commander decks just to have because he collects commander decks. That's a that's a shit. But whenever a new set comes out, he buys three boxes. He opens one and he keeps two. And the reason he keeps two is that within two years of a box coming out, once they rotate out of out of uh like standard, it truly determines the value of that box. And sometimes when that happens, that box will quadruple in price, triple in price, or sometimes it'll go to one third its value. Really, it's like an, it's a it's like a gambling thing, and so people really, really, really find, you know, commander their thing or or standard their thing. But when it comes to like a company and like for people like you, those starter decks are perfect. They're cheap, they're made to play against each other, and they're always a good time because they're always going to be there. But people like me. I like playing standard. It's my fucking problem. It's an expensive hobby. Once you start playing standard, I have a modern deck and it's $1,500, but I don't play modern because there's a lot of sweaty people, even though I have it. Um, and those sweaty people tend to ruin games because they're playing with cards that are double or triple sleeved because they don't want to hurt their $700 single card um, and things like that. So I think magic is this thing nowadays when it comes to being able to play it, there's all different kinds of aspects to it. Um, and there's always something for, for somebody there's single player magic now, which is nuts too. So I, I, I haven't heard about that, but I will say about, um, uh, one other thing that Lorcana has that magic does not is the rarity and the, the price. Yeah. The cards come from alternate art, not from, the actual rarity of the card, card. right? Yeah, As a, and see with with magic, that's been a staple in a way, you know. Yeah, mm-hmm. but now magic's doing both. Magic's doing rarities and alternate right. arts, yeah, and yeah. guest and guest artists, or it's the best even, game ever play, ever created, in my opinion. And you know, they're just trying to get as much money. I, I would be doing the same thing, dude. If I own Magic: The Gathering, I'd be like, what can we do to make the most money off of the best game ever played? Especially when IPs are coming to you, yeah, to 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 make cards out of their stuff. What's going on with this Fallout one? Is that coming out? It, soon? It's Commander. And it's supposed to be coming out. I think in like three months. Commander uh, you only? should definitely Commander only. Um, okay. I would definitely say buy all four decks just to have um, because they're gonna. They, every time they do these these tie-ins with other universes, they usually have very interesting mechanics. Like the Lord of the Rings mechanic was. Um, the ring tempts you. And so that was a very, very interesting way to play the game. Um, the Warhammer um, aspect was the fact that 40 of each deck was individualized Warhammer cards. They weren't reprints or cards that exist already. And people love that. So um, I, I don't know what the Fallout one's going to be like. And I didn't touch the Doctor Who one because I'm not that British. So, 
Yeah. Uh, so when John was visiting like two times ago, we're like, I don't. Ha- I was like, I don't have any magic cards. I don't. I don't know what we should play. And I was like, I heard about this thing, Commander. And he's like, okay, let's go get some Commander decks. So we went and bought like two $70 Commander decks. And um, they were super complex and we were way over our heads and we hadn't seen any of the mechanics because they were from. It was complex. Anyway, so those are my two first Commander decks. And then I'm making. Sh- doesn't matter what I was doing. I was taking inventory of my decks because things got squirrely. And uh, I look up this commander deck, and the one that I ordered for $70 is worth $250 now? That's what what I'm telling you. Every time these themed commander sets come out or whatever, buy them instantly because commander has a completely different set of rules than regular Magic the Gathering. And when commanders come out, you can't get them in packages. Like you can't go buy a booster a booster pack and then open this commander. Like they're only available when they're printed and that's it. Um and and so whenever commander decks come out, just to play with them, you can play with them all you want. And if you're going to get rid of them, make five hundred dollars, you can. There are commander decks from like 2016, 2017 that are five hundred dollars, dude. Six hundred dollars because they just—I couldn't believe it, dude. It you you just can't get a hold of those cards anymore, and people want them really bad because Commander is such an in-demand thing. But I'm I'm done. Uh, watch, I'm we're gonna dry out everybody's fucking brains if we keep talking yeah. about magic. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> I was gonna keep going. I was gonna switch it over to Locana, but that's all right. <laughs> but, um, all right. So the next question, Zap asks, "What's the most <laughs> money you've spent just to play a single video game? What game and what did you buy?" I mean, are we talking like in-game purchases? Because Bobby takes the fucking cake on that. Oh, I don't know. After hearing you guys talk about magic, I don't know if that's comparable. No, I've never even come. Wow. Yeah, I don't know, dude. No, not com- uh, maybe comparable to what you played on Heroes of the Storm, I guess. But over thirty years, as opposed to like. Mm. Yeah, factor in inflation. I don't know. I, yeah. The most money I've ever spent on a single game, um, like just buying a game, was definitely Battlefield 4. I got the Ultra Mega Super Deluxe Edition or whatever it was. I was primed and ready to go because I had gotten back into Battlefield 3 pretty heavy right when Battlefield 4 was coming out. So I knew I'm going to play a ton of this game. So I spent $120 was their most mm. expensive version of the game. And... um was it worth it? I think so. They had this oh, weird system where you got, as you played, you unlocked these gold cases and you got Battlefield 4. They kind of overdid it with um, attachments for guns. Like you you unlock tons of different guns and each gun had like a dozen or so different attachments that you unlocked and could put on it. And they kind of corrected that when they went to battlefield one, they simplified everything again, which I think was the right move, but, um, spending all that extra money, I unlocked things a lot faster. I also got like, uh, premium access or, or first in line to a lot of servers. So, I mean, there was a lot of benefits to it and I used it in 120 bucks. I mean, that's not a whole lot compared to it's two uh, games. Yeah. It's like two triple a games. I think I spent like, what was the deluxe on Diablo four? That was like 90, 80, 90 bucks. Um, yeah, I think so. I think I spent that. I might've got the version down actually like the second version. So uh, maybe 70 bucks, but yeah, I don't know. 
Um, for me, well, do we want to bring up in-game purchases or not? I think no. I think it's one time just purchase. to play a single video game. Okay, so Cyberpunk 2077, I bought for like three people uh, pre-purchase. So, mm. yeah, I was like, this is going to be the shit. It's just like in movies, I bought fucking, I bought copies of, no, I didn't buy copies of. I took people to go see Avatar, including Nick, um, like a bunch of times, like uh, when it came out uh, for Christmas. Uh, I spent, I spent like a thousand dollars on Avatar and I've spent like 300 bucks on, uh, on cyberpunk 2077 so yeah it's, uh, just for multiple copies thinking that like it's going to be amazing you know and then and then it comes out and all that shit happens but whatever like money's money easy come easy go yep so originally when metal gear solid 5 released there was a collector's edition which came with a replica of snake's hand and a bunch of in-game stuff and like a metal uh, book for the case. That was the ol- the first time I ever bought a special edition of a game, and that was a hundred dollars. Um, but the um, what is the game that I just talked about earlier today? Death Stranding, the Death Stranding Collector's Bundle. I bought for a hundred and fifty dollars, um, and that came with like this carrying plastic carrying case that was like an actual like piece of luggage that was like I don't know. I think it was like two and a half feet by like two feet tall. Um, it came with a little baby inside of a, inside of a tank, which I still have. My daughter always points at it. She's like, what's that baby? Um, and, and I'm like, I have to tell her, Oh, it's just from a video game. Don't worry about it. It's just a story. And then it came with like tape, <laughs> like caution tape and a bunch of other stuff. And uh, that's the most I've ever spent on a game. It was like $150, I think. Yeah, they get expensive when you start factoring in the uh, the physical items in these versions. My buddy, that... just, my buddy just bought the uh, collector's edition of Baldur's Gate, and that was like 200 and something dollars. Like, it was... Mm-hmm. And it comes with, like, the character sheets, the map, the, the big statue. He loves statues uh, for game. Like, Baldur's Gate is his second favorite game series of all time. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, yeah, he shelled that out instantly as soon yeah, as he had the I money. never go for the physical stuff. I have no, nowhere to put it, but that's just me. I know a lot of people like that stuff. Looking at the background of Emilio's room there, I can see that he likes that stuff. All yeah, right. but he has like a shelf and a designated place for it. Yeah. You got a, a studio apartment or yeah. two bedroom apartment. Uh, next question from Biblioclasm. Artificial limbs have become cheap, reliable, and superior to fleshy limbs. Which limbs do you replace and why? Uh, my knees or my legs. Okay. <laughs> Your legs. Uh, that reminds me of Grandma's Boy when uh, the nerdy game developer guy in the black trench coat says, I'm thinking oh, of getting, yeah, the bad guy. <laughs> I'm thinking of getting metal legs. <laughs> I just thought that was just like a funny throwaway line. Do you remember his PC and how he laid down to play in it? He's like, <laughs> like he yeah, had yeah, like up. the techno blasting. Yeah, it, it, yeah. Was great. Uh, <laughs> it's so funny. Uh, what about you, Bobby? What would you replace? Um, probably my eyeballs. Uh, you know, everyone told me once you hit forty, your eyesight just like goes to shit. And I mean, it, it kind of has like not it's not like an immediate drop off, but like I can definitely notice like the eyes 
are, are starting to go as I get older. I would yeah. fucking replace the whole thing, dude. I would, if I could put my consciousness online and live forever, but I'd go with that. You know, that's the whole like overarching story of Ghost in the Shell. That is the ghost in the shell. Yeah, I was it's, like, it's the yeah, it's seventeen, eighteen when I first saw that. I don't think I understood it fully. Uh, I was you should watch. You should watch the show. Boobies. I was naked boobies. Yeah, the the show is it deals with like humans, human rights. You know what is a person? What is a consciousness? Uh, you know what would be the idea of uploading your consciousness to the internet or to a machine? Like, what does that work? Um, yeah, and it's like a it's like a big point. It's one of my favorite top top three animes of all time for myself. Um, but yeah, Dude, actually, actually, I, I'm gonna rewatch um, Attack on Titan. I think I'm gonna download. That uh, and yeah, the ending for that is insane. Yeah, that's my is number two the best anime ever. Number two for for myself. For number one, I think ever. Have you seen season three? I think I finished season two. Okay. So this, out of all the anime I've watched, and I've watched dozens, if not hundreds, it has one of the greatest twists ever. You're like, what the fuck is going on in this anime? Like, what is this? Who are these people? Like, it was probably the answer, the answer of what the fuck's going on, right? No, it's like it. It just adds more questions. You're like, what? It, what yeah. Like what? Because you're led to believe this main thing this whole time you're watching it, and you're like, all right, cool, like whatever. This like this that, like this is going on. And then you see you see that literally like the first episode, you're like, what it like what is this? Like what are these like and then it just the whole show just expands tenfold as far as complexity and interest and like I remember watching that shit live, like as far as like when it released, and me and my friends were all calling each other. We were like, "What the fuck is going on? Like, this is so cool!" And because we all promised not to read the the manga, because the manga is always months, if not years, ahead. And uh, yeah, it's it's one of the best anime of all time. Um, what was I gonna say? Uh, oh, so Neuralink, right? Uh, one of Elon Musk's companies has now put a chip. It's not a chip. It's a a sensor that reads um, brain waves, but most companies that do this put it on the surface of the brain. But this has like nanofibers that go into the brain. It's like 20, 64 strands that break up into 124 and they read individual neurons traveling. And uh, the first guy lived through it and so I, I believe it's a quadriplegic person and he seems to be recovering well. And uh, their goal uh, is for that person to be able to manipulate a robotic arm, a computer, uh, like a mouse and uh, some other stuff. And, and this is all happening right now. It's fucking crazy. Like we're, we're coming up. And also um, I believe I might, I might, I might be fucking this up, but um, I believe this paraplegic, uh, like Special Olympics for runners that don't have legs. I think they're putting up times that are faster than people with legs because they have those bouncy fucking. They have those bouncy like they're basically springs. They're running on springs, and so they're not allowed on. They can't compete against each other because it's not fair. 
Um, so yeah, we're, I think we're seeing the beginnings of, um, what, what was that game? Bobby that, um, Deus Ex, Deus Ex human revolution. Mm -hmm. Is that the one? Yeah. 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 We're seeing the very, very beginnings of it. It's going to get crazy out there, guys. Like, this is just a question on a podcast, but like it's grounded, like it's out there for sure. All right. Next question from Pyronical. What car do you currently drive daily? <laughs> right now, it's a Kia Nero. Uh, I'd recommend it <laughs> if you're like starting college or like, you know, just out of high school. It's a good little car for sure. 52 gallons a mile or 52 miles a gallon. Um, but I am this year like maybe this month looking into getting a F-150 Lightning, which is a electric uh, pickup truck. The the most affordable and most utilitarian one that's out there, I feel like, maybe right now. Um, but yeah, uh, maybe it'll happen. I'm already paying 900 bucks a month for a car. I don't know if I want another one like that. Do you know what my car payment is? What do you drive, dude? Well, here's the a, answer. A Volkswagen Atlas. Big old SUV. I didn't even know that existed, dude. So Yeah. It's do 450 I get... bucks. Yeah, it's awesome. We got it so that when people visit, we don't have to like rent a car or like go in separate cars for things. That's literally why we bought what we Oh, you've been in it. Have you haven't you the Sorrento? Yeah. We, yeah, we yeah, yeah, the key Sorrento. The third row so that um exactly that. So that we can yeah. take people to Mexico and they wouldn't have to drive in Mexico. Hmm. Yeah. And we're getting our passport soon. So we may go to Mexico next time. I drive the least exciting car on the planet, a Chevy Cruze. It was the cheapest possible car I could find. But it, it it's nice. I, I've always had like cool cars and they've always been such a headache and just like, con, like a money pit and always like in the shop and always need well, more older cool cars well yeah and no, anything I mean, my, custom is my z wasn't that old i mean it, it got old but it was a 03 but the yeah. suspension ever since it was lowered it was just nothing but headaches with that i used to go through yeah. tires like i'd go through it was the rear tires i i would have to replace the rear tires two to three times a year on that oh geez because of the camber yeah 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 it was just never the same after it got lowered. Yep. All right. Next well, question. Oh, yep. For, go ahead. For just for the credit, dude, it was a cool fucking car, man. It was. That, that shit was my like dream car, dude. I wanted that shit so bad. Yeah, it was a great car. I really liked that car. It was incredibly small. I remember I tried to give someone a ride to the airport one time. Did not work out. Um, next question from Warconius. This is for Nick. Kojima gonna Kojima with DS2. We now have a talking Joseph Ferris puppet instead of BB and Troy Baker's impression of a villain, villain straight out of a Def Leppard video. Based on what you've seen, predict the plot gameplay loop of Death Stranding 2 on the beach. Are we going to be building up a mother base like Metal Gear Solid 5? I'll be quick with this so I know people don't want to hear me talk for 40 minutes. I think we're going to see 60% uh, the same stuff that we saw last time as far as combat and uh, and like traveling goes. I think we're going to see new shit as far as like uh, customizing your home, like your home base. I don't think we're going to see a mother base uh, from the trailer. Uh, funny enough, it seems like you're flying around in a Metal Gear uh, Rex's head 
the whole time uh, as far as like where the main character comes in and out of. Um, but I don't know. I think the I, if my prediction of the plot is that uh, from what we've seen in the in the trailer, um, we're going to see Norman Reedus' character really get attached even more to his uh, his BB um, because it seems like it it's out of the pod and it's now growing and it's now his child. So I think more of the game will be around protecting it um, instead of like, you know, running through and avoiding things and attacking uh, creatures and stuff like that. So um, as far as plot goes, man, dude, this shit's going to be insane. I don't, I don't fucking know. It's an acid trip every time it's a Kojima game. So <laughs> yeah. All right. Last question of the night from Hogglefosh. What franchise or what is a franchise you're passionate about and how would you suggest newcomers to get started? I'm going to suggest two at two different price points. If you don't have a lot of money, you should get into Binary Isaac because there is no better value in gaming. I think you um, will spend around $20 and you can get a thousand hours of content. And, and yeah, it, yeah, I will second that. Yeah, uh, on the higher end, I would say twenty seventy seven because I have a thirty eighty Ti, and I thought that was kind of relevant, but yeah, it is not. Like, I have to either if I'm doing a bunch of like not combat quests, I will turn it up to the visuals. And if I'm doing a lot of combat, I will turn it down to more acceptable um, visuals. Uh, but this game has a drastic range of what it can do in as far as visuals um, and and playability. So, and I'm learning that, and it really has me thinking that like I worked this hard, I should ha- I should have top tier graphics going on so i i might be upgrading uh sooner than later but i don't know we'll right know. now buying a pre-built pc by the way is way cheaper than building your own yeah that's what i did on the last one dude because mm. yeah i think it's been like that for a while now yeah hmm. all right uh franchises i mean the star wars franchise is just huge and there's all sorts of games depending on which genre you like so it's super easy to just pick the one you like and get into it but I don't know. I don't. I wouldn't call Deep Rock Galactic a franchise yet, although it is expanding. I mean, they've got two new games coming out that are completely different, but still in the Deep Rock Galactic universe. But I also understand that that game's not for everybody. So I don't know. I'm not really selling it too well. <laughs> I think Star. I think Star Wars is one of those things that you can get into really easily. Um, especially like for example, now they're making kid shows. Um, they're like Young Jedi is a show, and my daughter's three and she loves it. Um, and it's a pretty good show for a three year old, I guess. Like you know, yeah. Well, um, I think he's asking about video game franchises too, and I don't know. Star Wars is like so much bigger than video games, but oh, especially yeah. I don't know a video game franchise that like I, I can't think of any like video game franchise I'm super into where it's like every time they have a new game I play one yeah. mm. it's definitely it's definitely an interesting question when you bring in video, like only video games for it mm-hmm. uh, for me if you're saying only video games I'm going to go Metal Gear Solid um, if you want an entrance to that I would say play Metal Gear Solid 3 
Um, but if you're going to be patient and we're talking about within like the next year, wait until Metal Gear Solid Delta comes out. The only reason I say that is because you never want to, with a game like that, you never want to go like the best one out of all of them immediately uh, with the best great gameplay and graphics because you're going to play all the rest of them and be like, what the fuck? Yeah, um, three so- is from 2004. Like, I don't know, man. See, that's I, I think people got to be careful when they recommend old games like as an entry point because... So that's why I'm saying Delta because Delta is going to be new and it's going to be improved and it's going to be all these new like new mechanics and like quality of life updates. Then you can go back and be like, oh, I really like this. I want to explore the rest of it. And then you just played canonically the first game of the series, right? Like, and then you can really get into it. You can go play, um, you know, one, two, three, and four, and all that stuff, and Peace Walker. But if it comes to like overarching franchise, as far as like passionate, like I have a fucking poster right here. It's like a Warhammer poster, um, and and like w- the entry without spending any money. There's a a video by a YouTuber named Bricky, and he goes over every Got faction to it, every faction in that universe, and it's an hour long, and just be- because it's a balance of like comedic likeness, good information as well as like a format that you, everyone can kind of understand. I would definitely recommend that. But if you're talking about non YouTube, non third party stuff, I would say just read the Hor- Horus rising. Horus rising is one of the, is the first book of the Horus heresy, which is like the defining um, event in Warhammer 40 K that kind of builds the story that is, it is on now. And they just actually rewrote and refinished the last book, which I'm looking for a hardcover copy. If anybody has it, please send it to me. I'll buy it off you. Um, but reading the Horus hair, I mean, uh, Horus rising, even if you don't like Warhammer, even if you don't like, um, really like sci-fi, the book itself is so good. It's, it's, it's considered one of the top 10 sci-fi books of all time. And the guy who writes it is one of the greatest sci-fi writers of all time. His name is Dan Abnett. And it's really, really, really good. Um, the the issue is that once you get involved, you're going to start spending a lot of money on it. So, well, uh, um, I will say this about the uh, Warhammer. I think it's because that it's so fan driven. Uh, all of their books are like four point nine, four point nine, four point nine, four point nine, like everything. So it's hard to distinguish what's good and what's bad because everything. Everything, yeah, everything's rated it's, so high. It's like a, a bunch of Taylor Swift army just re- reviewing her albums over and over. Hmm. And 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 one thing is that I will acknowledge that actually, but it's been said like even people that have, like I said, never picked up Warhammer, never had an interest in it, never had sci-fi, are like pulled to read this. And like Barnes and Noble sells sells it all the time, and like all these other places sell it all the time. It's just a really good book in general. Um, it's very, very. It's an open ending, an open ended ending. So you're just like, oh, I, I got to keep reading. It's very much like Dune, where you're like, this keeps keep this keeps expanding. This the scope of the universe in the book just keeps expanding every time you read a new one, and so it, it keeps you hooked. So, yeah. There's there's a franchise out there, Bobby, that you really like. I can't think of what it is. Yeah, that's what I was thinking too. Like I should have there, a better. There is answer. one, dude, for sure. I just can't like. Yeah, I can't put my finger on it. Just uh, like you, I guess. Yeah. All right. Well, I'll think of it and get back to you next week. What's everyone playing this week coming up? 
Phantom I'm going to be playing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm going to be playing um, Dead Space uh, Remake on PS5. Hmm. Oh, okay. Um, and for me, I do not know. It's going to be another two weeks until we have uh, Deep Rock Galactic Survivor. So I'll have to find something else for next week. It'll be a surprise. Hey, Bobby, um, just so you know, for all your travel, now that you're a jet setter all around the world, anytime you want to take my fucking Steam Deck, take hmm. it, dude, because I go months without using it. Okay. But, yeah, I don't yeah. Need it. I don't think I'll need it on a flight to Vegas, but um, maybe, yeah, yeah, yeah. maybe my next big trip. <laughs> cool. All right. All right. Um, that's a show. And speaking for, man, non-existent Christian, non-existent Amanda... And you two slubs. Uh, <laughs> um, let's go with Warhammer titties. One's on, one's on, one's on the one's rotting on the one's whispering sweet nothings in your ears. One's touching your butt and your mouth at the same time. I'm not touching your butt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One's, one's oppressive. Right now, by the way. <laughs>